0: Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator.
1: Do we see it? They're failing all around us. America's idols are are just falling all around us. There's a shaking going on, and and, and America's idols are failing people. See, for too long, it was just the poor and the middle class that felt the sting of a bad economy, but now the rich are feeling it. Now it's front-page news every day. You can't buy a newspaper that's not talking about it, right? Every day, because it's affecting even the rich now. America's idols are crashing down. And, and um, God just brought me to this verse in Hebrews 12. you got to really, really listen to this. Just press in, focus with me for a minute. He's, God, God is saying, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Listen. At this time his voice shook the earth, but now he promised, once more I will shake Not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of that which can be shaken. God is talking about created things. It says, so that which cannot be shaken shall remain. You with me? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Somebody say amen. Amen. In a season of severe drought, Elijah is holding on to God's promise. When all else is failing around you, the man of God holds on to God's promise. When in times of famine and drought and depression and disaster, the woman of God holds on to God's promises. There's a promise in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, If my people, called by my name, how many of you know that's us, will humble themselves... and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Family, if you've been here more than once, you know I am not a hellfire brimstone type of preacher, and, 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 and that's not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to exploit the, what's happening in the nation to manipulate some people into realizing that they need God. That's not what I want to do. The truth is you and I need God. Period right we don't need god anymore because we're in an economic depression we don't need god anymore because things are bad we need god period amen we need him in the good times we need him in the bad times we need him in the slow times in the fast times in times of scarcity in times of abundance we need god amen come on if i'm talking to you say amen you and i just need him period But I don't want to ignore what's going on in our nation today, and I don't want to make light of the fears that many of us might be experiencing. I don't want to pretend like it doesn't matter, or like we shouldn't talk about it, like we shouldn't have any understanding about it. But, But see, my Bible says, trust in the Lord. Say, trust in the Lord. With all my heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. You want me to shorten it for you? Trust in the Lord and you'll be straight. Amen? That's the George version. Trust in the Lord and you'll be straight. That's all you need to know. Lean not on your own understanding. That means don't lean on CNN, don't lean on on, 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 on the news and the papers and and what's happening. No, I'm trusting in God. Amen? He's my source. See, it's no coincidence or no chance of events. I really need you to see this, that we started a series on the life of Elijah, and these particular weeks, we find ourselves in a season of Elijah's life where he had to trust God for everything. Do you you see it as a coincidence? Can this possibly have been conjured or worked up? There's no no doubt in my mind that, you know... Elijah had to trust God because in the natural, in the place where he was living, with the people that were around him, there was no supply. There was no provision. There was no money. The economy was falling and suffering. It's no coincidence that God sent Elijah to a brook and then the brook dried up. Recap. Sometimes God will dry up your supply so that you will not focus on the supply but on the supplier. Amen? Amen. It's no coincidence that God sent Elijah to a widow who was about to cook her last meal for herself and her son and then starve to death because the economy was that bad. And because she allowed the the prophet of God into her house, God blessed that abundance and made it last two and a half years. Recap, when you invite the presence of God into your home, the provision of God will soon follow. Come on, if I'm talking to you, say amen. Amen. See, this couldn't be a more prophetic message for the season that we're in if if I had planned it ahead of time. And, 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 you know, if I had planned everything, you'd be reading in the news and everything. And since I, I trust that none of you would believe that I could possibly pull that off. This has to be the Word of God speaking to us. Amen? It just... Brings you to the scripture that says, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way, as it says in 1 Timothy 3.14. Amen? It reminds us of the verse that says, the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen? Alive and active. See, so many people look at the Word and say, man, this is history and this is, you know, this is whatever, it's Gustav or it's, you know. No, this joint is so alive and active that when you open it up today, you could find out that people were in a starving economy, in a failing economy, and God did something. And you could say, but wait a minute, I'm in this situation and I'm a man of God and so I'm going to believe as He did for God's promise. Amen? I mean there's not you, you, you just need to understand that's the Word of God is that alive it's that alive tell somebody is that alive so let's continue and see what lays ahead for us in this series because see I believe God is doing something and there's gonna be a shaking the word says that there's a shaking going on and everything that can be shaken will be shaken amen so if your trust is in man somebody say shaken if your trust is in a woman, if it's, if it's in just a relationship, if it's in a job, if, if it's in your 401k, if it's in the, the security of a position, come on, so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. I'm preaching a word that cannot be shaken. When all our trust is in God, the world can shake, the ground can tremor, buildings can crumble, the Dow Jones can drop, economy can go dry, God still remains, the Kingdom of God is unshakable, and His promises are yes and amen. I'm glad two of you believe that. I'm so excited that we finally got the names of God on that wall out there, amen? For those of you that have been with me with me for a while, we preached an entire series on the names of God, and, and I wanted, as we were preaching each name, we preached a, a message on each name that you see up there in the lobby, and as, I wanted that as we preached each name that the names would go off, and that just didn't work out. But I understand that, that it didn't come late. God brought it just in time, amen? Because if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time that the world, the world needs to see that Jehovah Shama God is here it's now amen. if there's ever a time we needed to, to understand Jehovah you that the Lord is my righteousness it's now amen if there's ever a time we needed to understand that Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who provides it is right now isn't it come on come on so we did a an entire sermon series on that you can find it online it's called name dropping but let's, let's jump into chapter 19 today because something happened right at the start of that that I think many of us can relate to as well. So if you turn your words to 1 Kings 19, I am not going to read from there. It's a long story. I, I, I encourage you. I'm just telling you where it is so you can see if I'm lying. Amen? I tell people all the time that I could be making stuff up and nobody would know. Because if you're not checking it, if you're not reading it, I'm lying up here. And, and so somebody came to me last week and said, I read it. It really says that amen amen because see what, what what's easy to do with sheep please listen to this bless you sheep will always assume that somebody else if he's making it up somebody else will know and somebody else will stop him but maybe you're that somebody else what if everybody assumed that somebody else was checking it in the word and this guy in the pulpit is making listen don't trust man blindly amen We trust God. I would never even ask you to trust me as your pastor blindly. Trust God. If God don't say it, who cares what I say? Amen? Amen. Alright, let's move on. 1 Kings 19, this is crazy. It starts off with King Ahab, he gets back to the palace. Remember they had just had that whole big blowout and and they challenged the gods and Baal failed and Elijah killed all his prophets. (coughs) Elijah prayed for rain and rain and, and, and boom. So now Ahab goes all the way back home, right? He gets back to the palace. And Ahab tells his wife Jezebel, that witch, come on, everything that has just happened at Mount Carmel. He tells him everything that Elijah just did. How he challenged Baal, how the 450 prophets were there, how everyone was convinced that God, the God of Elijah, is the one true God. Amen? Amen and then he told them how Elijah and, and, and you know and in God's power and all that killed all 450 of those prophets and so Ahab was I don't, know, I don't know Ahab's motives you know it's hard a lot of commentaries say well he was trying to you know get Jezebel crazy and some say he was just you know this is what happened he had to tell the story so it doesn't really matter the motive the bottom line is that he's telling Jezebel everything that just happened and if you know the story It says, now this woman was wicked. Verse 2, it says, So Jezebel, incensed by everything that she heard, she sends a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like that of one of them. She lays down this major threat to allow that's what her first reaction she threatens him. she even not only threatens them but how bold you gotta be to give somebody a 24 hour deadline she cursed herself she said if in 24 hours I don't kill you then let everything curse me that's a that's boldness ain't it somebody said that's dumb See, because Elijah just finished proving that their God was an imposter, that he was a poser, that he was an empty idol, that he was a ceramic saint on a shelf with a candle and an apple and change in front of it. Thank you, John. He just finished proving that that, that he was an imposter. He just finished mopping the floor with 450 priests of that idol, leaving them all dead. And the first response from this woman is to pull out her sidekick and send Elijah a text message saying, I'm going to kill you. That's a wicked witch. Watch how you say that. Look at verse 3 and 4. This verse just kind of rocked me. It says... Elijah was afraid, and Elijah ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and he went himself another day's journey into the desert. It says he came to a broom tree, he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. He said, Lord, I've had enough. He said, take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. History tells us that he was so afraid for his life that he traveled over 80 miles. Somebody say that's scurred. He's scurred. 80 miles. He he didn't jump in an escalade and drive 80 miles in, in an hour or two. He traveled 80 miles. You know, that's a hike. He went so far that he went into a different state because it says where he went, he was under a different king. So he went so far that he wanted to be out of the reach of Jezebel, the wicked witch. Right? So he went that far and then he says he lied down under a tree and he said, God, just kill me. I'm no better than my ancestors. I am no better. And, and so, I don't know how you might feel about that, but my first reaction... I read the story and I said, no way, no way. This is the guy that challenged all of those men. This is the guy that put God to an ultimate test, believing that God was faithful and that God led him to do that. And and this is the man that believed that God would stand up for him when there was nobody there but him. And this is the man that stood up to these 450 priests, challenged, and then challenged their whole God, challenged their whole belief system, and then saw God's faithfulness, and then wiped the floor with all these priests. This is the same man, he's saying, I'm scared, I want to run away, God, I wish I would die. And, and so my reaction was like, what a wuss, what a wimp, I, what a chump, man, Elijah was a punk, oh my, and I went on and on, what a wuss, my words went on and on, and, and you know, the more you talk about somebody, maybe, maybe you've done this, the more you criticize somebody and, and, and talk about them and examine them, and then if, if, if you're a man of God, you know, usually it'll only take a few minutes before you start seeing yourself in them, and You start noticing the things that whoa that you did kind of like he did and 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 then you started making excuses for yourself you say yeah yeah but me it was different because you know i didn't have 450 profit you know but it was just my uncle and you know and 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 you start making excuses and then and then before before you know it just conviction gets a hold of you and you say you know i i just i hope nobody heard me talking right i'm just talking a whole bunch of that i hope nobody i hope nobody heard that and so that's kind of how I felt about Elijah. Because you see, it's easy to talk. But walking things through committed. Walking things through and being steadfast. It's a whole nother story, isn't it? So the fact remains, Elijah gets this letter. He gets this text message. He gets this email. And, and basically, Elijah gets this word and he runs. And he gets so depressed that he gives up. Elijah gets a word spoken over his life for, that for a season changes him it, it discourages him it weakens him it renders him powerless family has that ever happened to you has that ever been you has someone at some point in your life where there was a high point or a low point whether it was a good season or or the worst possible season ever gotten a word to you or a message that and it could have been totally ridiculous but it still rocked your world still threw you over I mean, if we really stopped and, and, and thought about it, if Elijah had paused and reflected, you know, on his life and, and, and this message, he, he would have realized that this woman was not only wicked, but she was dumb. He, he would have realized, man, I just wiped the floor with everybody that worships her God. Why, why do I have to be afraid, right? He, he, he could have, he, he, listen, if Elijah would have even maybe looked down at his sandals, I don't know if he had changed by this point. But when you kill 450 people by sword, I mean, know there's going to be a lot of blood. I don't know if he he went to Walmart and bought a new pair of sandals or anything at this point, but, but, but it sounds like this was like the same the very next day. And so maybe if Elijah had just looked down to his sandals, he might have seen the blood stains and realized the blood could have been the evidence of God's promise and God's faithfulness. The blood would have served as a reminder that when you put in your trust in God and not in your abilities, not in your resources, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Sometimes we just got to remember the blood, don't we? Sometimes we just got to, in, in our worst situations, at our lowest low, sometimes we just got to look down and remember the blood that made us victorious. Amen? But Elijah gets this word and it's just too much. You hear it in his prayers to the Lord later. He says, Lord, I've had enough. I, I am just like my ancestors, he says. He says, I, I'm just like those people who compromise their worship. I'm just like those people who serve you one day and forget about you the other. I don't deserve to be used by you. I don't deserve to, to follow you. I don't deserve to be loved by you. I don't deserve to be cared for by you. And he falls asleep. Family, that been you? You ever been so depressed that you just sleep? talking to anybody today? Have you ever been so depressed and so saying, God, you can't possibly use me. You can't possibly be caring about me. That word can't possibly be for me. That promise can't possibly be for me. And you just sleep. Have you ever been tired of trying Sometimes even when things are working out, and even when, when things end up well, even though we've seen God, you know, been faithful and, and, and even though God takes some of our worst tragedies and in, in our lives and turns them around for good. Sometimes we just feel like we've had enough, right? We can come to God and say, I'm done. I am through. I just can't keep going. Kill me if you want to, I'm done. I just pray like, I, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a couple of us in here that are at that point. And I'm glad that you're here today because I, I want you to see something. I want you to notice God's response. It's the most beautiful response in the Word of God it's such a beautiful response he uses such a beautiful illustration I pray that as you hear it today you'll receive it for yourself the word says that as he slept an angel touched him and said arise and eat and he woke up and when he woke up he noticed there was a cake So that must have been angel food cake right that must have been the first word not me it's the word of God that's probably where we got the term angel food cake because an angel baked him a cake and so he woke up and he eats the cake and he drinks the water and it says he falls back to sleep and it says a second time an angel woke him up and said arise and eat for the journey is too great for you So to this rebellion, to this running away, to this questioning God, to this doubting God's faithfulness and God's power, God responds by supernaturally providing for him and building up his strength again. Isn't that beautiful? Now, how many of us would not have seen it that way? How many of us would say, no, when, when we turn, when we get to that point, God must be so mad. God must be so angry. God must be so upset with me that he doesn't want to deal with me because I keep trusting him and then falling, and I keep trusting him and then falling. God must be so angry with me. But God sends an angel to supernaturally feed him. This is the guy that's saying, God, kill me. Oh, I'm such a whiny, cry baby. Kill me, this mighty man killing all these people. Now he's a crying little whiny kid in, in, under a tree. God, kill me. I wish I were dead. I'm just like all the other stupid people. I just, I wish. And, and, and God, God just responds to that so beautifully. He sends an angel, feeds him, and then sends an angel, feeds him again. It says to build up his strength. Side note we love it when God builds up our strength, right? When He sends good reports, right? When He sends encouragements our way, right? But remember that when God builds up our strength, it's because He has something greater for us to walk through. Amen? So, God didn't, didn't send cakes to Him so He would be chubby. God sent, sent food and nourishment and provision to Him because there was a bigger journey ahead. Amen? See, God doesn't supply for us and God doesn't build us up to feed our ego God fills us up and equips us and provides for us to feed to, to fill our needs so that we can walk in and get have strength and power to do what we need to do. Amen. So after that Elijah had a 40 day and night journey ahead of him and it says that the food he ate from there that's good angel food. How many know that? Sustained him for 40 days and nights. Some of us need that kind of cake, right? It sustained him for 40 days and nights. And then he finally got to a cave and he took shelter in that cave. And then God finally speaks to him in this cave. And God says to him, and this is the title of this message, by the way, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? to that Elijah rambled on you can read it there in in, in 19 Elijah rambles on this long speech about how God's people are so bad and he's the only one left and all the prophets that love God are, are dead and he's the only one that redeems and that cries out for God and he's the only one he rambles on and on side note when God asks a question he already knows the answer so don't try to impress him or convince him with a lot of religious talk amen I mean you know God sees through the nonsense right And when God asks a question, he's not really asking so that you can answer. He's asking, when God asks you a question, he's asking so that you can examine and ask yourself, what am I doing here? What am I doing in a cave 80 miles away from the people that God called me to be a prophet to? What am I doing in a cave, hidden, hiding, all by myself, when (coughs) I am 80 miles away from the people that God called me to bring the good news to? What are you doing here today? So God tells him, go stand in the entrance to this cave. So Elijah goes and he stands there. Listen to this. And it says a strong wind comes by, a hurricane. It tears up the mountains. It breaks rocks and and, and it just demolishes things. And it says, but God wasn't in it. And then an earthquake comes right after that. And it shakes the mountains (coughs) and it breaks things up. And it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a mighty fire comes through and just just devastates everything. And it says, but God was not in the fire. And then a still, small voice. And God was in the still, small voice. And Elijah felt it. And he wrapped his mantle around his face in humility. I want you to just examine God's response because for so many of us, we don't see God this way. We see God in the hurricane. We see God in the earthquake. We see God in the fire. Those are all things that destroy. Those are things that we can't control. Those are signs of past judgments, of punishment, and the Lord was not in them. God is saying to Elijah and to you and me today, my desire is not to destroy you. My desire is not to punish you. My desire is not to burn you up with fire. Isn't it a coincidence that Gary spoke this earlier in prayer? We see God like that. We see God as this hurricane just waiting to rock us. We see God as this earthquake just waiting to shake us to pieces. We see God as this fire just ready and dying to cons- to- for us to do something wrong so that he can consume us with fire. But it says God smoke. He wasn't in all of that. My desire would be the the Lord's word today would to have communication with you. My desire is to have communion with you. A still small voice. Think about that. That's a picture of intimacy, isn't it? Right? Those of you that are married, I, I, I pray that you understand the still small voice. It's that intimate. It's, that, it's not that voice that you say I know you didn't take out the garbage like I asked you to and I know that no it's it's sweetheart can I get you something that intimate voice right and and do you see God's picture of intimacy here it's not the earthquake and the fire and he's saying sweetie can I, can I get you something can I help you can I help you would you talk to me can I have communion with you I don't want to destroy you. I don't want to slap you. I don't want to punish you. I don't want to send you to to the burning fire, lake of fire. I didn't make that for you. I made that for my enemy. For you, I made communication. For you, I sent my son that we we could be reconciled. For you, I I paid the price for your sin so that we can be intimate. Amen? And so the, the voice says again, what are you doing here, Elijah? He gives Elijah another chance to answer the question correctly. Unfortunately, Elijah tried it again. He put out his best complaint and his best excuses and his best reasons. He, he, even, he, he finally told God the real thing of it. He says, I'm the only one left that serves you. This woman has killed all of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they're after me. I'm the only one that loves you. I'm the only one that serves you. I'm the only one that has tried so hard. How many of you heard this voice in church? I'm the only one that cares about this place. I'm the only one that calls people. I'm the only one that's interested in people. I'm the only one that does all the work. I'm the only one that stresses out. And God's word speaks destiny into him. He tells him, The the next thing that he tells him after all that, he doesn't even answer all that. He tells him, I want you to go and anoint this one as king. And I want you to go back and anoint this one as your successor. And I want you to go back and anoint. In other words, he tells him, there is purpose in you. I have plans for you. I have called you to be about my business. he, He gave him purpose. He gave him direction. And then he gave him security. He told him, and guess what, Elijah? You're not the only one left. I have 7,000 like you in Israel. 7,000 that haven't bowed to Baal or that haven't kissed the lips of the whore goddess. 7,000 that love me and serve me. I have 7,000 like you in Israel. What is he telling them? Just, Elijah, you're not alone. Somebody need to hear that today. In your walk... You're not alone. Some of you sit in church with a hundred people and you still feel alone. Sometimes some of you feel like, man, I I keep trying and crying, but I feel alone. And God God is speaking to you today. He's just telling you, listen, I've given you purpose. I've given you destiny. And you are not alone. What are you doing here? I want you to ask yourselves today. Am I where I should be? Am I where God has called me to be? Where my business lies? Am I where I may be useful? <clears throat> am I walking in what God has called me to walk in? Or am I sitting in the cave of my complaints feeling like I'm all alone? Let's stand up for a minute. Let's just bow our heads. God wants to give you purpose today. He wants to fill you with purpose, with direction. He wants to comfort you with security. Worship team, you can come. Just ask yourselves, what, what am I doing here? And by here, of course, I don't, I don't mean this Church. Even though if God didn't call you to this church, I don't want you to be in this church. What I can do, what I do tell you about this church is that we love God and it's going to be all about God here. And it's going to be all about filling you with purpose and speaking destiny over you and speaking words of life into you, not condemning, not judging, not, 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 not going by the appearance, not going by the way things look, but believing that God has, has a purpose, that we are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And that's each and every one of you. But ask yourself, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Or have I complained for so long that I can't even hear God speaking in that still small voice? I want to invite you today to the place of the still small voice. And that place is an altar. That place is a place of sacrifice. And, and this building has no significance other than we the significance that we give it by standing on it, we make it holy ground by worshiping on it. But this is the place, the place where we leave our comfort zones. The place, see the seat today represents your comfort zone. This is the comfortable place. That seat has, has four inches of cushion. That seat has lumbar support. That seat holds, I know all this because I ordered them and I was trying to find the cheapest chair I can find. And, and, and it, they're so expensive. So I know the comfort of that seat. I know how it was manufactured and made. But that seat represents in your life a comfort zone. A place that here I'm good. Here my back is supported here I have good cushion for my hiney here I have good cushion for my head if I want to lean back and fall asleep if the sermon goes too long but that that represents your place of comfort and the altar here see when you step out of a seat you step out of an aisle people look at you you might have to say excuse me you might have to go through so people notice you and when you step out then people got their eyes on you and then when you step toward the front it's, it's almost like you're getting yourself naked because you're exposing yourself but that, that's what God is asking us to do sometimes to, to stop staying in the safety of my com- see because in a place of complaining you're safe because if you're always complaining then you're never expecting for anything good If you're always complaining, you're never expecting or expecting something better to happen. And so as long as bad things keep happening, you're still safe. But I'm going to challenge you to get out of the safe place. Get out of the safe place. Yeah, don't wait for nobody else. Get out of the safe place. Say, God, I want to be in a place where I can hear your small, still voice. And I want to hear that voice say speaking life and speaking destiny into my heart. I want to I hear that, God. I need to feel that. I need to understand that. <clears throat> Listen, if God, if God, you've always had a picture of God as the hurricane or as the fire or as the, the, the earthquake, would you come along with me up here and just confess it? said god that's not you the enemy has fed that to me so i can keep me far from god god says i'm gonna speak slowly and i'm gonna speak silently because I, i need us to be that close i need there to be that kind of intimacy come on just cry out just cry out as we worship have had the Jezebel letter sent to you Some of you have had that message you've gotten that letter you've gotten that word that says I'm, I'm gonna, it's, it's a word from your enemy it's a word saying you're not going to do anything I'm going to kill you I'm going to destroy you you are never going to amount to anything there's nothing that you can do I'm going to see to it that you'll never make it I'll see to it that no church would ever, would ever take care of you that no church would ever erase you or teach you or, or bring you up I, I'm, I'll see to it that nobody will ever use you and that you'll never be any good for anything in the kingdom of God right now Give me a piece of paper. Here's your Jezebel letter. Some of you have it neatly folded around. You you, you keep it in... And it's probably worn because you've had it for 10 or 15 years. This Jezebel letter, it might have come from your father. It might have come from your mother. It it might have come from, from people from another church. It might have come from a pastor. And you carry it around. You've carried this thing around in your wallet forever and it's and it's folded but it's right there with your source, it's right there with you every, you bring it with you everywhere, listen right now in the spirit, just bow your heads right now, we're taking this, this, this letter out, I want you to remember that letter for a minute, I want you to remember those words, even remember the person that spoke those words to you and right now, here's what we're going to do I forgive you for sending this trash to me I forgive you for for hurting me this way I forgive you for limiting me this way I forgive you for hurting me this way but no longer will I believe the Jezebel letter because no weapon formed against me shall prosper because I just looked down and I just saw the blood on the cross and the blood reminded me that I am victorious and that nothing can stop me Come on, give God glory. Come on. And so, so family, I release, I release you. I release you to be ministers of God's word. I release you to be lights shining in the darkness. I release you to never be held back or limited again. I release you to rise above and beyond this place and this church and beyond anything you've ever seen or imagined we speak life and destiny and prosperity not in a not, not in a name it and claim it type of way but prosperity in that whatever it is that God has for you I want you to have it and Gary had this picture and we're
0: going to do that now Gary go ahead I had a picture from the Lord, that that with these difficult economic times as we've been hearing about, the same thing that we read about in the Bible, see, there's nothing new under the sun. The Lord gave me a picture for every one of you, if you're going to do it by faith, that we want to take the oil of anointing and anoint your pocketbooks, we're going to anoint your checkbooks, your wallets, but that's only if you're not going to be like Elijah and run the wrong way. See, that, that was the thing about Elijah. He ran for 40 days, but God had to work for him right where he was. He was supposed to finish off Jezebel. He was supposed to destroy the idols. But he ran away. And God said, I'm going to raise up other people to do what I called you to do. That's not going to happen to any one of you. Just before we do that, I I want to do a, a very quick recommissioning service. For those of you who are saying, I'm not running anymore. I'm going to fulfill everything that God called me to do. I'm not gonna back up. I'm not gonna be manipulated. I'm not gonna be intimidated anymore. If that's you, I want you to still come to the altar. The altar's still open. If you're you're serious about this, I want you to come right here. I'm just gonna wait a few seconds. If you're saying, I'm going all the way with God. I'm fulfilling my destiny. God's not going to have to call someone else to do what he called me to do. You, You need to be up here right now. See, these are serious times. A month ago, I would never do this. I wouldn't want to embarrass anyone. Today, I don't care. Because you know what it says in Isaiah? That if And in the end times, if you don't stand by faith, you're not going to stand at all. And I don't want to see any one of you fall. I don't want to come back five years from now and hear a report about any one of you. Oh, he doesn't serve the Lord anymore. Oh, he never fulfilled the calling of God. Oh, she walked away. She doesn't go to church. I'm believing that's not going to happen even one of you. Is there anyone here you're doing this for the first time? Is there anyone here you, you've never you've never prayed to receive Jesus in your life? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Amen. We have someone here. I'm going to ask my wife Norma just to come over and just explain to her how the decision that she just made right here, in the, and for everyone else. We're going to recommission you right now in Jesus' name. And after that, I want you to go back and get your wallets, your checkbooks, your pocketbook, whatever it is. We're going to anoint you for success. We're going to anoint you to prosper in in the middle of depression, recession, in the middle of stock market crash. We're anointing you to prosperity. So, Father, I pray for everyone standing here right now. I commission you to succeed. I commission you to fulfill your destiny. As ministers, as representatives, as ambassadors of the Most High God. And I decree over you that not one of you will fail to fulfill the calling of God. The destiny of God. See, maybe you've been broken. Maybe you've been going through a hard time and you're starting to back up. I recommission you, I called you back. Yes, yes, yes. There are some of you here, the Lord is saying, that you started to walk away from God. Maybe people criticize you, maybe you've been rejected, maybe life's just been so hard. And God says, Jesus. new beginning, new beginning, right here, right yes, now, yes. a new beginning. Yes. Whatever you've done, however you failed, right here, Right now, a new beginning. Yes. If that's you, just raise your hand to heaven and receive yes. it. Yes. If you're saying, I need a new start yes. today, I'm recommitting my on, life. Come on, come on. I'm going all the way. I'm not running like Elijah. I'm standing strong. Jezebel's not going to knock me off track. Father, I pray right now. I release destiny on each one's raising their hand to you, Lord God. Just receive the forgiveness of God, just the washing and cleansing of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you've done. It's going. It's washed away. It's washed away in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And I decree over you, all things have become new in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you right now, go back to your seat. get your wallet, whatever it is, your, your purse, your, your checkbook, and we're going to have people appear, yes, and we're going to anoint it, and not one on. of you is, is going come to go on. broke. Come not one. On. I don't care about what, where you work, I don't care if you don't work at all, not one of you is going to fall into poverty, come not on. one of you is going to lie, I don't yeah. care. I don't care if there's a famine in the land that's not going to come upon you. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org God bless.